0: Essentials message theme that we started uh, about eight weeks ago And for the summer, we just started talking about summer trips And everybody takes trips How many How many have done all your trips for the summer? Raise your hand How many got one coming up? How many wish you had one coming up? That's what I'm saying (laughs) Uh, Well, we started talking about summer trips And and we're we're on a journey as a church We feel like that God has called us to be a church that helps people move into abundant life. That's what we feel called to do. To be a junction where people meet Jesus and Jesus takes them into abundant life. Our goal as a church, our mission as a church is to see every individual living abundantly in every area of their life. And so, on this journey, we started talking about what are some things that we need to pack. You know what I'm talking about? Those essentials that you have got to have. That stuff that you get on the trip, you're like, oh man, I should have, can't believe I forgot that. I got to go to Walgreens now. Those kind of things, the essentials. So here's some things we've talked about having a love for God, the peace of God, trust, joy, love, life giving words. Uh, Last week I spoke on having a good name, a reputation that is honorable. I would encourage you, if you've missed some of these, to go to our website and to the, to the podcast and listen to those. Today, I want to talk about something that you must have when you begin a journey toward anywhere, all right? Something you have got to have, and that is a destination. So write that down. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, have someone else write that down for you, okay? And essential to every journey is a destination. Now, Chris and I have been married for 23 years, right? 23 years. We just celebrated that. And we have our two boys, Evan and Davis. And I can tell you, uh, we don't fight or fuss a lot, but I'm going to tell you when you, can, you know there's going to be a fuss in the Ragsville house. And that is when we're all hungry and we say, let's go get something to eat. And before we get in the car, we don't clearly decide where we're going. Can I hear an amen from some of you family folks right now? Because y'all know how it goes, right? Hey, where y'all want to eat? I don't care. Okay, all right. Uh, Then it's usually me. All right, how about Mexican? Oh, my God, Mexican? Okay, uh, hamburgers. We had hamburgers yesterday. All right, what about... And then I'd start feeling rejected, you know, just like all of my ideas are just going to... Then I get upset. I, you know what? I'm going to just start driving. Raise your, come on, Pop Daddies. Raise your hand. I'm going to drive. Somebody's going to figure it out. Yesterday, we woke up. All of us woke up a little late. Didn't woke up a little late yesterday. Well, they woke up a little late. It was like, it was like this morning. It was so late. No, they woke up a little late. Uh, and uh, so we're like, hey, instead of breakfast, let's just do lunch. Just, let's go do lunch. Let's stop right here before we walk out the door. Where are we going? It was amazing. It was the most beautiful thing. Every, all four of us wanted the same thing. We drove. It was peaceful. We got to the restaurant. We sat down and ate. It was joyous. It was glorious. We went back home. I will mark it up as one of the greatest days in Ragsdale history. It was just peace. Before you start a journey, you need a destination. I want you to look at Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 7. It's going to be on the screens if you're too lazy to get your Bible out. All right? The Lord, that was a joke. It's on the screens for your convenience. All right? The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Let's just stop right there. Come on now. Don't you love that we serve a God that is concerned about our suffering? I think sometimes we forget that. That we think that He's upset at us because of our suffering. He's mad at us. No, I'm concerned about your suffering. Now remember, Israel got themselves in this mess. He kept telling them, if y'all do it, you're going to time out. Keep it up. You're going to go to Egypt. You're going to be in bondage. They kept on doing it, and now they're in trouble. They're being punished. And even while they're being punished for something they did, he says, I'm concerned about your suffering. That's my kind of God right there. He says, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So, everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament. So, theologians or or Bible scholars will call these types and shadows. So, you can find something in the Old Testament, and you'll find that it is a shadow of something that's coming in the New Testament. Or it's a type of, or an illustration of, Uh, The Red Sea is one of those. We can just go down the line. of All these amazing types and shadows in the Bible. This passage of Scripture is one that I think stands out among many as a beautiful type and shadow of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How this thing has been set up. That we messed up, were born into sin. Even before we messed up, we were sinners. That's born into slavery. He is concerned about our suffering. So He comes down and saves us out of our slavery and begins to send us to a place that is a promised land that is flowing with milk and honey. So first of all, I want you to write this down. We have a place of departure. So, just, Or you can just write departure and underline it. A place of departure. That place signifies that time in your life, that moment, that day where you were saved, where He heard your voice, you crying out to Him. He came and rescued you from your slavery and set you on the right path. That's your departure. Now, I was raised in Mississippi. My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher. And and we used to have what was called testimony services. Any of y'all ever raised with a testimony service? You know what I'm talking about? Where you spoke people supposed to stand up and testify. And it was supposed to be telling what God had done in their life. But over years it just became like a talent show. You know, people just stand up and start singing that couldn't sing, and people start standing up talking about how bad their spouse was to them. And so we cut that stuff out, okay? Because it ceased to be a testimony service. But imagine if we could have a testimony service here today where each person would stand up and begin to talk about when God set them free from their stuff. Wouldn't that be amazing, just listening to that? Because here's what you would find. Sometimes I think we look at other people's place of departure and feel like theirs is better or more powerful than ours. You hear someone's testimony, you go, Well, I don't I don't have that testimony yet. I don't think God really did all that in my life. Then there are others that feel like yours is worse than everybody else's. Like I was bad. It took Jesus and all the angels to get me up out of my my mess. But here's what I've found. No matter where you came from, no matter what you did or what you walked through, all of our departure is the same. All of us are slaves. And it took a Savior to set us free. No matter where you come from or what you've done, we like to say it like this. The ground at Calvary is level. No matter what your experience is, no matter what your life, all the ground at Calvary is level. We all start at the same place, that place of departure. How many of you could take me back to the place where he set you free? Just raise your hand. You remember the day. You remember the time. If you don't have that place, you need that place. You need to find a spot that you can go back to and say, that was the place, that was the day that He came into my heart, that He set me free and set me on this journey. Everybody look at me. Hear what I'm saying? You need that spot. I don't care if you've been a believer for a long time. If you can't take me back to a place, you need to find a place. Maybe it's here today. Maybe this is the day that you say, you know what, I'm going to start fresh this morning. Because I want to be able to take my kids back to a place. That I can say that's the place. That's the day that Jesus Christ set me free. Everybody say departure. Aren't you glad that he gives us a place of departure? And doesn't make us live in the life that we've created. But he comes and sets us free because he cares about us. And he's concerned about us. But I want to take it a step further today. I want us to take it A step further. Because God doesn't just come and take us out of a place. God promises to take us to a place. He said, I've heard your cries. I'm concerned about your suffering. So I've come down to rescue you from the hand of the Egyptians. That's your departure, I'm going to rescue you. But I also want to bring you to a land that is a good land. A spacious land. A land flowing with milk and honey. We all have a past, but thank God we all have a promise. I love that the McRae sister. amen to me, because that's all I got right now. We all have a past, but we all have a promise. He doesn't just bring us up out of something, but he wants to take us into something. So write down, you've got a departure. Now I want you to write down, but I also have a Destination. I don't just have a departure. I don't just have a place that I can look back to and say, thank God that He set me free. That's amazing. But God wants us to be able to turn around and look ahead and say, thank God that He has promised me a place. I am headed somewhere. I'm not just starting this journey not knowing where I'm going. I have a destination. The promised land is a type and a shadow of two different things, probably several things. But today, I want to talk about a couple of things that the promised land is a type and a shadow of. First of all, would be what I talked about before we began today, and that would be abundant life. So, promised land equals abundant life. John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have life, and that you may have it more abundantly. So Jesus did not come just to get us out of hell. He came to take us into abundant life. And you know what? That starts right now. Right here, right now. In everything you're doing, with every person that you're impacting, with every relationship that you're in, if if we could draw a picture of what what a... What would you say a a perfect believer would be? It would be somebody that is living abundantly in every area of their life spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially. That's what, and that is what Jesus Christ came. We believe this is our mandate as a church, but we also know that this is God's will for your life. Look at your neighbor, and I want you to say to them, Some of y'all ain't even looking at your neighbor, so you right now, just straight up rebellion. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I, I want you to say to them, Jesus Christ wants you to have abundant life. Now turn to your second choice and apologize to them for not picking them first and say, right here, right now. Come on, get a little Pentecost on and say, right here, right now. I want to remind you of that today. Listen to me. It's my job as your pastor. And if I'm not your pastor, just let's pretend today, okay? Or like, why well, you say, let's play like. When you're a kid, you're, hey, let's play like. Just play like I'm your pastor today. And I want you to hear. It's my job to remind you, you get to live abundant life. And I, I don't know if you're, and we, we probably need to say it every Sunday. Because how many of you forget? Just raise your hand. Look, I'm preaching it, and I forget it. Like, I will preach it, and on the way home, just forget all about it. I have to be reminded, He wants me to live abundantly. He doesn't want me to live a miserable, get-by kind of life. The Scripture says, I'm going to take you to a land that is overflowing with milk and honey. Not just enough for you or for your family. I want this to be so much that everywhere you go, there's some for somebody else. Come on, how many want to live that kind of life? When you walk into a bank, there's just something about you that's just pouring out into other people. When you walk into your job, there's just something about you. Like, man, what is it about you? I just, man, he's given me so much. That it's just, don't you want to have enough that we can take care of widows and orphans? That we don't just give 50 fans to people last week. We're giving 500 fans to people. Come on. That we don't have to scrape and beg to take care of of orphans all over the world. But there's so much that God has given us that we're just pouring it out to people. Brian Larson and I were at a conference not long ago and a pastor got up and he said, this church has really been blessed. And he stood up and he said, uh, man, I, we've been so blessed. We got more money we know what to do with. It. And Brian was like, what? How dare he say that? I thought Brian was going to rush the stage. Like, man, I know where you can put it, okay? But, man, I would love that. You know, the Bible says that when the Acts church started, the first church started, they had so much come in that they had to tell people to quit giving. Come on, let's go. Wouldn't you love that? That you just have to call people and go, look, y'all got to quit sending me money. I don't even know where I'm going to put it. You got to quit bringing blessings so much. This is the kind of life. Don't tie it just to money. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, gifts of healings, gift of faith, working of miracles. That's all the stuff that he has for us. If we just understand the Christian life is not supposed to be, I believe I'm a Christian Okay, no, it's supposed to be, I believe I'm a Christian, let's go. You getting this? Come on, you getting it? Let's go. But today, I don't want it to stay right there. I want, to, I want to move into our next stop, our next, our next deal about the promised land, illustration, the type and the shadow of the promised land. It is abundant life, and it is for right here, right now. But I want to remind us today that that is not the ultimate destination. The ultimate destination is the promised land is also a shadow of heaven. I want to talk about heaven for a little bit today. Uh, I got to tell you, it's sad. When, When God began to lay this on my heart to speak about this, and I started doing some research. And just on a whim, I started doing some searches. And I found that it's hard to find messages about heaven. And it's hard to find popular songs about heaven. How many of you grew up singing about heaven? Yeah, we sang about it. Sang about heaven. Our pastors preached about heaven. But we don't hear that so much anymore. Well, I want to change that today. I want you to have a clear understanding when you leave today that Jesus Christ wants to spend eternity with you in heaven. And it's not as hard as you think it is. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14 will be an amazing passage of scripture just to write down somewhere and to meditate on it the next several weeks. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home that is yet to come. What he's saying is there is something more that is waiting on us. Now, back in the day grew up, we sang a song that said this world is not my home I'm just a passing through. Everybody know it? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh some of y'all know it. Oh Lord you know. Now we don't go into the whole thing. I have no friend like you. (laughs) If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We would sing that song, man. And it would resonate. Because our lives were miserable. (laughs) We didn't like church. Didn't like what we were doing. Come on, can I hear an amen from some of y'all that grew up going to church because you had to go to church? And now, church is fun. People ask me about our church. They, what? Oh, if somebody told me church, I want to come. And I always say, we have a blast. We laugh a lot. It's passion. We cry some. We sing. We have a blast. Well, I didn't grow up at church like that. And not just church, but just life. The further you go back, the worse life was. (laughs) And that's why they wrote songs like that. Look, y'all, even at its worst, life ain't so bad now. Even at its worst, especially in America, in our country, with everything we have going on, life is not that bad. But when they wrote these songs, doctors weren't close by and they didn't know where their next meal was coming from and everything they had. But now things are so convenient. And church is easy. And I think sometimes because of that, we just forget that we're not made for this place. And it's easy. It's just comfortable. Look at this. 1 Peter chapter 2 in the message says this. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. It's so easy just to start making ourselves at home right here. And that's why we don't sing about it. That's why we don't preach about it. But I want to today. I want before you leave this room that you have a hunger for heaven. Like not that you want to go right now. But there is a hunger that you have to be in that place that he has created for us. You know I said, you know when I was when I was growing up uh in church and you know again uh, Pentecostal in Mississippi and we had 3-hour church. I mean, it just went on forever and ever and ever. Just went on, you know. And I remember I would sit there in that church and the, and, and the pastor would say, man, this is what heaven's going to be like. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> we have to go. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm looking around at people I didn't like, people I didn't know. We're going to be an together with these people. Oh, man. Is there like sections? Can I find a spot over here. And then they would use that word forever. And that would just blow your You ever have that thought about eternity? How I many you know what I'm talking about? They just, just freak you out. I shared at the early service today that the, the one that would just scare me to death was the one that they... <laughs> and most of the time they would use in this when they talked about eternity and hell, okay? And they would say, if the sun was a silver ball, and once a year a sparrow would fly from the earth to the sun, and brush its wing on the ball. And fly back to the earth. And then start back again. When that silver ball was disintegrated, eternity has just begun. I'm like, oh God, that's so long. <laughs> don't want to spend hell in eternity. I'm like, I don't want to spend heaven in eternity. That's like, do you know this service was 18 hours long. And you're talking about eternity. But as you get older and life begins to change, and you start having some troubles and some trials, and you have friends die and family members die, and life starts getting tough, suddenly heaven starts getting sweeter. And life is tough. Life ain't easy. Can I hear an amen? It ain't easy. You wake up in the morning. And it's a brand new mess of troubles just waiting on you. You wake up in the morning and you know you've got a, a whole day full of messes that you're going to make. But the thing that I love about it is the Bible says He makes His mercies new every day. That means every morning when you get up, He's got a fresh batch of mercy just percolating, waiting on you for that morning. He doesn't use yesterday's mercies. Brand new mercy. That means before you ever make that mistake, He's already created mercy to take care of it. Now, I ain't a good preacher, but that's a good word right there. That's good to grab hold of. I think sometimes we get in the middle of this tough stuff, and we're like, I just don't know if I can make it. So you have the two extremes. You have life is so easy that heaven doesn't compel me anymore. Or life is so hard that all I can think about is here and now. And in the midst of nose to the grindstone, in the midst of trying to battle temptation, in the midst of fighting off depression, in the midst of trying not to argue with somebody, it's easy to get focused on right here, right now, and forget about there and then. So I want to remind us today that when life gets tough, because here's the deal. We have a departure. And now we're talking about our destination. What gets us all mixed up is the direction in the middle. Right? I'm going to bring you up out of Egypt, and I'm taking you to the promised land. Yay! And there's a desert in the middle. Wait, ho, ho, whoa, 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 The desert thing? Look, I don't know what it is about God, but for some reason, He likes hanging out in deserts. I don't know what... What that thing, you, it's a trend. It's like Moses, you're going to the desert. Egypt, uh, Israel, going to the desert. Jesus, going to the desert. Paul, going to the desert. Everybody has to go through the desert. Why? Why? I believe it's because the desert is what prepares us for our destination. You can clap or write it down. Either way, it doesn't matter. It's just, that's, that's something that I think, if you don't need it right now, you're going to need it in a week or two. Because all of us love the departure part, right? Yay, we're going to the promised land. Like, I'm excited. Here we go. The promised land. And then all of a sudden, the green grass starts getting brown. And the trees turn into cacti. You know what I mean? It's like you're looking at. And that's when you start questioning. Oh, man, I don't know. Did did I mess up? Did I make a wrong step? Did God mess up? Was that even real? The desert but God takes us to these places, these tough times, to get us ready. See, God's not concerned about time like we are. How many of you ever got in the car and said, "We got to make good time today. We got to make some good time." I don't even know what that means, but we got to make good time. We can't hit that Atlanta traffic. Come on, y'all. We got to do it right now. God doesn't con- not concerned about that stuff. God doesn't take shortcuts. Most of the time, he takes long cuts. I could have got y'all there in a week. It's going to take about 40 years now, okay? Because I want you to be ready when you get to your destination. So it's going to take a desert to do that. He told Israel, he said, I'm not going to to deliver, I'm not going to give you all the promised land right at once because you couldn't handle it. See, God gives us these things as we go along. So instead of fussing and probably cussing at your desert, it may be that you want to say, God, what do you want me to learn a lesson right here? In this desert time. But I'm gonna tell you how to make it through the tough times. How many wanna hear that? Four people. How about the rest of y'all? How many wanna hear? I wanna make it through the tough times. Let me show you how. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 says this in the message. Every one of these people of faith died, not having in hand what was promised, but still believing. Come on, don't you wanna go down believing? How did they do it? Tell me, I wanna know. They saw it way off in the distance and they waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. And you can see why God is so proud of them and a, He has a city that is waiting for on them. When you face tough times, and you feel like you may not get to where you're supposed to go, that's when you look beyond where you are. And you start saying, I still believe that God promised me something better than where I am. The author of Hebrews goes on in chapter 12. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race for end. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there. In the place of honor. Right alongside God. So when you find yourselves flagging in your faith. Or lagging in your faith. Or slowed down. Go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, and I love this, and that will shoot some adrenaline into your souls. So when you feel like it's tough, when you feel like you can't make it, that's when you look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and you say, how did he do it? He did it by saying, this world is not my home. There is a place that I'm going toward.'" And I think many times we're in the middle of our situation and we just look far enough ahead past the situation. Right? God's going to deliver me from this. But Paul said, if we have hope in Christ in this life only, we're of all men most miserable. What he was saying is, don't relegate Christ to this life. He did not die for us just to live free in this life. Yes, he wants us to, but he really died so that we could spend eternity with him in complete freedom forever. We'll read a couple of more passages 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. So don't look at the troubles we can now see. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. That's the hope. We get to go to heaven. And it's not as hard to get into as you think it is. I know you think you got this, I gotta do this, 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 because we read it all the time. You've read it before. These are the ones that will not enter into. Right? And it just lists all these people that do all these things. And it's so easy for us to point a finger and say they won't make it. And yet we've done those things probably yesterday. And sometimes it's hard to measure up. How, how can I. And yet the scripture says that there is no other name given among men whereby we are to be saved but Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we say that he's the only way and we think that that's about excluding other people that have not accepted Jesus Christ. He is the only way. But it also means this. It's that simple. Not measuring up to all this stuff you did or didn't do. But it's just... Jesus, Him, follow Him, fix my eyes on Him, think about Him and where He's leading me. And just day after day, step by step, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just take a step, Dory, just keep walking. And what's going to happen is when you keep walking with your eyes fixed on Him, there's going to be a day you're going to open your eyes and you're going to be standing on streets of gold. And gates of pearl. Think about that. Not pearls. Pearl. Every gate in heaven is made from one pearl. Do you understand what that means? They got big oysters in heaven. That's one thing that means. Big honking oysters in heaven. The opulence of heaven. Streets of gold. What we call asphalt. Over there is what we long for here. That's what he's prepared. He says this in, uh, let's see here, uh, John 14 and 1. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I'm going to come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. 1 Corinthians 2.9, that is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for them that love you. How many of you, as you drive down the interstate and you see that 300 million or that 400 million, you go, ooh, I know what I could do with that, right? You, bring, so you got an imagination. Go to the very farthest end of your imagination and you have not even started to imagine what Jesus Christ has prepared for us in heaven. Matter of fact, he's got to give us a whole new body or we'll just blow up. This is mine for me. Mansions and streets of gold and, and gates of pearl. But man, check this out. Revelations 21 says this. To me, more importantly than all that, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these these things will be gone forever. Everybody say forever. All of these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. I don't know about you, but that's what I'm excited about getting to heaven and knowing that I won't shed another tear, knowing that I will never have to bury anybody else again, and also knowing that my brother that I buried is going to be there waiting on me, and I get to hang out with him, and then I get to hang out with David and dance with him on streets of gold, and me and Jesus just get to... Look, there you go. Forget everything else. Heaven is not as much about a place as it is about a person, Jesus Christ. We are going to get there on that day, and there's going to be no more veils, no, no, nothing in between us, just us and Him. That's heaven. So why not start that now? Why not start that journey right here, right now? This morning, at the end of, our, at the, end of the message, we had eight people that made fresh starts with Jesus today. Eight people that raised their hand. And said I want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. We had others that raised their hand and said. I, I want to be more hungry for heaven than I've ever, ever been before. We had others that raised their hand and said. I'm walking through a tough time right now. I need to be focused on heaven. I want to pray for you this morning. will not you just close your eyes.